focus on headline. All right, let's take a look at what major issues are making the headlines today on Focus on Headline. For this, joining us in the studio today, we have our reporters in Cheji Hee and Yoon Hae Jung. Guys, welcome back. Good evening. Good evening to you guys. We're going to start things off with the Supreme Court decision on Thursday, where they upheld at lower courts acquittal of uh, nine former officials of the Korea Coast Guard, uh, who are all charged with failing to carry out their duty in the rescue operation for the sinking of the Sarahol Ferry back in 2014. G, you're going to start us off. Let's get the latest on the Supreme Court's decision. Right. So in a landmark decision, the South Korean Supreme Court has acquitted the Coast Guard command of the Park Geun-hye administration, bringing closure to a nine-year legal saga surrounding their alleged negligence during the Sewol Ferry disaster in 2014. Now, the court's verdict upholds the findings of the Sewol Ferry disaster special investigation team, which indicted these officials almost four years ago. Now, the ruling issued by the Second Division of the Supreme Court under Chief Justice Lee Dong-won absolves nine individuals, including former Coast Guard Commissioner Kim Seok-kyun, of charges related to professional negligence, uh, manslaughter. And the accused faced allegations of failing to fulfill their duty of care in the aftermath of the Sewol Ferry's tragic sinking, which claimed 445 lives. And prosecutors contended that they inadequately grasped the situation, neglected to prompt immediate evacuation, and failed to carry out necessary rescue operations within the vessel. Now, in their defense, the former Commissioner Kim and his colleagues expressed remorse for the disaster, but consistently argued that their actions did not constitute criminal conduct. And the lower courts had previously ruled in their favor, maintaining that the legal criteria for professional negligence manslaughter had not been met. Now, the Supreme Court concurred with these rulings, emphasizing that the accused could not be held accountable solely for not executing their duties in a hindsight-optimized manner, uh, particularly given their absence from the scene. And despite the prosecution's appeal, the Supreme Court's dismissal effectively draws a line under the legal proceedings linked to the Sailor Ferry disaster, marking a decisive point in the quest for accountability. Now, previously, Captain Lee Jun-seok had been sentenced to life imprisonment for abandoning ship without issuing evacuation orders, while former Mukpo Coast Guard Captain Kim Gyeong-il received a three-year prison term for his professional negligence as the on-site commander during the tragedy. So in sum, the Supreme Court's verdict brings a conclusion to the legal chapter surrounding this whole Sarah Ferry disaster, with some individuals found guilty, while others have been acquitted of criminal charges, shedding light on the complex dynamics uh, at play during this fateful event. Again, I mean, it was uh, more than nine years ago Mm -hmm. uh, since the tragic incident, uh, where again, uh, more than 400 lives were lost. Most of them, of course, the students of the uh, Taiwan High School over in Ansan. And uh, the, I guess, the criminal responsibility for the Coast Guard members were always kind of iffy, right? There was where do you draw the line on who is responsible and who is not. And I think a lot of people did argue, according and, and as well as the, the, the courts, that Captain Lee Jun-suk uh, had definitely uh, not done his duty as the captain. Uh, I think the image of him trying to abandon the ship as it was sinking is still very much 
fresh in the minds of many, many people out there, and especially uh, the parents and families of the many students that were still stuck at the uh, inside the ferry without any announcements being made. And uh, again, I hate to kind of uh, remind all of our listeners of that uh, tragic day and that fateful day mm. of uh, kids and the, the, the footages that uh, they recorded on their cell phones and the fact that they were stuck inside the ferry, whereas the captain himself had abandoned the ship there. Hopefully, and I'm sure for many parents and family out there, uh, this wouldn't be a complete closure uh, in the tragedy, but still, uh, we have some answers as to where do you draw the legal responsibility of those involved there. Uh, let's move on here. The ruling People Power Party has followed the recommendations of its innovation committee to lift the membership suspensions of former party leader Lee Jun-suk and Daegumir Hong Jun-pil. Hejung, let's get the latest on this. Right. The ruling People Power Party decided Thursday to lift the membership suspensions imposed on former party leader Lee Jun-suk and Daegu Mayor Hong Jun-pyo over alleged misconduct endorsing one of the first reform measures recommended by its innovation committee. The PPP passed a motion to annul the punishment during a meeting of its Supreme Council, reinstating party membership for the two in accordance with the committee's top priority of lifting the penalties. PPP chief Kim Gyeon said that although a decision on disciplinary measures made by the party's, uh, party's ethics committee should be respected, the innovation committee's proposal for the sake of unity should also be honored. The PPP had suspended the party membership of former Chair Lee for 18 months last July over allegations of sexual bribery and an attempted cover-up, as well as for open and repeated criticism of President Yoon and the party. And Mayor Hong was slapped with a 10-month suspension of party membership in July for causing controversy by playing golf on the day parts of the nation were devastated by torrential rains. And meanwhile, uh, Forder, po- former party leader Lee Jun-suk and Daegu Mayor Hong Jun-pyo both seem to be rather bitter about this decision rather than welcoming the suspension lift, holding the stance that their suspension did not make sense in the first place. And along Along with Lee and Hong, the party canceled the membership suspensions on two additional politicians. Uh, first, PPP Supreme Council member Kim Jae-won was reinstated. The council member was subject to a one-year suspension from the party for making controversial remarks. And Kim Chol-gun, a former aide secretary for ex-leader Lee Jun-suk, who saw his party membership suspended for two years for allegedly attempting to destroy evidence related to Lee's sexual bribery case, was reinstated as well. I mean, Hong Jun-pyo, Mayor Hong Jun-pyo, uh, also notorious for some of his comments that he makes. And and I think it was much more than just the, the golf that uh, he played while the nation was suffering from a torrential rain. It was some of the comments that he made afterwards that I think led to the suspension there. But also a lot of people found this lifting of the suspension quite surprising in that, um, remember, this is the innovation committee that made the decision here. And uh, sources were saying that initially when they're finding, uh, looking for the chief of the innovation committee, now it's uh, In Yohan, right, mm-hmm. uh, the, the doctor. Uh, it was Lee Jun-suk was also approached, uh, Hong Jun-pyo was also approached, but they kind of said, no, we're, we're not interested in leading the innovation committee and so forth. But the fact that they decided to make the decision uh, to cancel their suspension is quite interesting. Let's talk economy. Um, this was, I guess, for some people, maybe a bit uh, surprising as the uh, U.S. Fed had hinted maybe they would maybe make another interest rate hike uh, before the end of the year. Uh, but the U.S. Fed 
did decide to keep their benchmark lending rate steady at a 22-year high for the second consecutive time uh, during their monetary policy meeting on Wednesday as it uh, looks to bring down their inflation to its 2% target. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. uh, not there, I believe, but even in the United States, their inflation rate is about at a 3% target. Gene, let's get the details of this. Sure. So the U.S. Fed decided to maintain the current base interest rate on the first local time as inflation indicators continue to slow and U.S. Treasury Treasury yields rose. Uh, interest rates were frozen for the second time in a row as the market expected. Now, while the markets focused on whether there will be one more interest rate hike and the timing of the interest rate cut, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell said that he's not considering a rate cut as of now. Now, however, Powell did not make any comments strongly suggesting the possibility of further increases increases immediately, and the market is evaluating the interest rate freeze as less hawkish than expected. And the Fed unanimously decided to maintain the benchmark interest rate at the current 525 to 5.50% at the Federal Open Market Committee or the FOMC regular meeting on this day. Now, it was decided to maintain interest rates at the highest level since 20. Uh, 2001. And after taking a baby step, which was a 0.25% point increase in July, the decision was made to freeze interest rates again in September. And the rate of increase in the core personal consumption expenditures, also known as the PCE price index, uh, an inflation indicator that the Fed considers important, continues to decline, recording 3.7% in September. And the core consumer price index, the CPI, in September also continued to slow to 4.1% compared to the same month last year. Now, this is considered to be the reason uh, behind the Fed's recent decision to freeze its interest rate. And in addition, the market's analysis is that with the recent high interest rates on U.S. Treasury bonds, the need for additional interest rate increases has decreased. And this is because the financial tightening caused by the rise in government bond yields is similar in effect to the central bank's increase in the benchmark interest rate. Of course, on the back of the news that the U.S. Federal mm -hmm. Reserve has kept their uh, benchmark interest rate steady. Uh, the South Korean stock markets, which by the way have been slumping uh, over the past few weeks, have uh, soared today. The yeah. uh, the benchmark Cosby uh, jumping 1.81%, the tech-heavy Cosdaq rising 4.55%. So a number of uh, stock prices uh, going up there, which could kind of really show uh, how the uh, U.S. Fed's decisions impact the South Korean economy, including the stock markets. Uh, looking at other data, according to data released on Thursday, South Korea's consumer prices stayed above 3%, this for the third consecutive month in October. Uh, it does seem like the increased volatility of glo uh, global oil prices led by the Israel-Hamas conflict and unstable agricultural prices uh, due to the abnormal weather conditions have contributed to the relatively high prices. Hedgen, let's also get the figures on this. Right. Consumer prices, a key gauge of inflation, rose 3.8% in October from a year earlier, rising from a 3.7% on-year increase the previous month, according to the report from S Statistics Korea. Inflation has generally been moderating as the on-year price growth fell below 4% in April for the first time in more than a year and had been steadily decreasing to fall to a 25-month low of 2.3% in July. Mm. 
But the figure rose to 3.4% in August and further to 3.7% the following month due to high oil costs and rising prices of some farm goods. Now, compared to the previous year, petroleum product prices fell 1.3%, but increased by 1.4% compared to the previous month, as international oil prices remained unstable due to factors such as the conflict going on in the Middle East. Meanwhile, the price of agricultural, livestock products, and fisheries rose 7.3% from a year earlier, compared to last month's uh, 3.7% rise. Normally, prices stabilize in the fall when agricultural products are harvested and supply increases. But this year, however, prices have been slow to stabilize due to poor weather conditions such as abnormally low temperatures. The Fresh Food Index, which compiles prices of vegetables, fruits, and fish, items whose prices fluctuate depending on weather conditions, spiked by 12.1%. This is the highest level in 13 months since September last year, which recorded a 12.8% increase. Meanwhile, the core inflation, the price excluding food and energy, rose 3.2%. And the Bank of Korea said that inflationary pressure is expected to stay over 3% through the end of this year, higher than its ta- target rate of 2%. Yeah, again, I mean, both the, uh, the, the Bank of Korea and the U.S. Fed continues to push for this uh, 2%. Uh, target and I think South Korea earlier this year uh, towards maybe it was uh, during the summertime uh, kind of entered into the 2% range not 2% but the 2% range and it quickly went back up because of the increase uh, in the global oil prices now luckily maybe if we go into uh, if we look at figures come the end of uh, uh, November uh, we're currently at the at the start of November and uh, once numbers come in at the beginning of December uh, because the uh, global oil prices are in a steady decline right now despite the fact uh, that there is this armed conflict between Israel and Hamas uh, even today we see the West Texas Intermediate going down a bit, the Dubai crude uh, going down quite a bit, a significant lower uh, than what it was at the very peak back on uh, September 27th was when it was peaking. And a lot of people are saying that it was going to reach that $100 a barrel. It's nowhere near there. It's around the $80 mark for the uh, the West Texas Intermediate and uh, $85 for the Dubai, uh, the Dubai crude. So at least for now, doesn't seem like inflation uh, is going to go up too much and that we're looking to see the inflation target uh, be reached at 2% here. Uh, the government also announcing that it'll start operating a full-fledged special price stabilization system uh, in order to support the livelihoods of the people. Gee, let's get more on this. Sure. So Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of Stra- uh, Strategy and Finance Chu Gyeong-ho said earlier today that all ministries will immediately operate a pan-ministerial special price stabilization system that places price stability at the top of their policies. Now, Deputy Prime Minister Chu said this in remarks at both the emergency economic minister's meeting and the price-related minister's meeting held at the Seoul government complex on this day, saying the pace of price decline is expected to be more gradual than expected due to geopolitical risks in the Middle East and abnormally low temperatures. Now, the government decided to significantly expand the discount items and discount range for 14 types of kimchi ingredients, including cabbage and radish, uh, by investing a total of 24.5 billion won, which is the largest amount ever. 
and to stabilize food and restaurant prices, new tariff quotas will be applied to eight imported fruits and food ingredients, that including bananas, mangoes, whole fat and skim milk powder, uh, butter, cheese and cocoa as well. Uh, in addition, it was decided to raise the limit of the purchase tax credit for agricultural products by 10 percentage points and extend the value-added tax exemption for imported goods, uh, such as coffee and pro- processed foods uh, like kimchi until 2025. Moving on here, uh, yesterday on Wednesday, a day after his uh, budget speech at the National Assembly, President Yoon suk once again stressed fiscal soundness at a uh, town hall meeting. Uh, also calling on Kakao and other major banks in South Korea for unethical acts that harm people's livelihoods, uh, using words like monopoly, I believe. Uh, Hejung, let's get uh, more on his uh, comments. While sitting down with 60 residents from various walks of life, ranging from housewives, office workers, small business owners, and taxi drivers, President Yoon said cutting government spending was to stabilize prices, which will ultimately help the working and middle classes, while reaffirming the government's commitment to addressing practices that potentially favor larger businesses. The president has convened uh, 20 of the so-called emergency economic and public livelihood meeting sessions so far, most of which were held in the former presidential office of Tongwade. However, the latest event took place in a form of a town hall meeting at a cafe in Seoul, reflecting the government's intention to display that it is actively listening to public opinion. Now, at this meeting, President Yoon stressed that monopolies should not be ignored, citing examples of such practices in the banking and taxi-hailing app sectors. In particular, uh, President Yoon said the country's most popular taxi-hailing service from Kakao Mobility demonstrates an extremely unethical example of a monopoly and called on the relevant ministers present to come up with measures to stop this corporate behavior. President Yoon recommended taking measures like reducing the commission charges for taxi drivers to a level similar to credit card commissions, which is typically around 1%. The South Korean leader also called out on major banks for their monopolizing of the sector, as their dominance in the market often turns to uh, abusive behavior. Mentioning that their establishment as very strong institutions often make it difficult for small business owners to get access to bank services such as loaning. He said the banking system in South Korea has to be changed as well. Yeah, the comments uh, made in regards to the uh, Kakao taxi hailing service was because, like you said, one of, the, one of the people in the town hall was a taxi driver. And I believe the taxi driver came out and complained uh, the fact that, well, they're not technically forced to use uh, the cacao service, but because so many people are using that, they have no other choice but to use it, but there's too much uh, a commission rate that they take in, and so they're not able to kind of uh, make a lot of money, and uh, they're also talking about... There's also been a decline in the number of taxi riders uh, as well, and so all of this put together, and this was the response that, of course, uh, President Yoon Sagar had put in place in regards to the taxi driver's uh, concern. Uh, also, in addition to the special price stabilization 
ventilation system. The government will continue to provide heating cost support throughout this winter season uh, for the most vulnerable groups. Uh, let's hear more on this, uh, Chihi. Right. So the government has decided to continue supporting heating costs for vulnerable groups in the coming winter at a level similar to last winter when special measures were implemented to address the surge in energy prices. Now, this is because uncertainty in the global energy market has increased due to the ongoing war between Russia and Ukraine, as well as the armed conflict between Israel and Hamas. As part of the support scheme, uh, the energy voucher household subsidy from October this year to April next year, that's uh, usually classified as the winter season, will be maintained at 304,001, which is the same level as last year's temporary expansion. Now, energy vouchers are provided to energy vulnerable groups, such as the elderly, the infants, children, the disabled, pregnant women, and single parent families among basic livelihood recipients. Now, basic pension recipients and the next lowest class who heat uh, using gas or hot water in communal buildings will, re will receive support of up to 592,001, as was the case last winter, in the form of rate discounts. And recipients of basic livelihood security and the next lowest class who buy kerosene or liquefied petroleum gas or LPG for heating can also receive heating cost support of up to uh, the same amount, 592,001. Support for the energy vulnerable who use briquettes and kerosene will be further strengthened as well. Uh, in addition, budget support for improving energy efficiency will be expanded. Now, this year's budget to support the purchase of high efficiency air conditioners for vulnerable groups was 13.9 billion won, 420,000 units, but the 2024 budget increased to 17.2 billion won, uh, that's for 148,000 units. Now, the budget to support small business owners in reducing their energy burden has also increased relatively significantly for next year's budget. Now, a lot of people might be wondering, I mean, uh, in a country like South Korea, uh, one of the major economies in the world, uh, there are people out there that actually need these uh, support. Yes, because uh, one of the things that I've always pointed out was that there's a huge gap uh, in the income here in South Korea. And you talked about briquettes, and these are yontan, right, mm. in Korean. Mm. There are still houses, there are still residences that use these uh, very old briquettes. I remember when I was like, well, what was it, like four or five years old. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, before I immigrated to the United States. I lived in a house that used briquettes, and this was like, you know, 30 years ago we're talking about, and there's still houses, even in Seoul, where they use this, and uh, really shows you the gap in income, and yes, mm -hmm. there are very much still a large number of people who fall into this vulnerable group, and assistance like this, especially during the winter time, is of a huge help. Moving on here, the first ever Global AI Safety Summit uh, kicked off in the UK on Wednesday local time. At the summit, the US, China, the EU, and uh, other major countries have pledged to work together to address the possibility of AI causing serious harm. We've talked about this before, uh, certainly in tech segments. Uh, Hejung, let's get more on this. Right. Organized by the UK government, the AI Safety Summit is being held in Bletchley Park near the city of Milton Keynes. The two-day event will bring together nearly 100 world leaders, such as technology ministers, AI big tech company leaders, as well as academic experts to discuss the technological risks and advantages of advanced AI for the first time at the international level. 
British Prime Minister Rishi Sunak was the leader who proposed the event amid growing concerns about AI safety following the emergence of ChatGPT. He has laid out the summit's aims as addressing the risks of AI and informing how they can be managed and used for good in a global scale. Now, at the summit, 28 countries signed the Bletchley Declaration, including the U.S., China, South Korea, as well as the EU, agreeing that frontier AI, which refers to highly capable AI, can potentially cause catastrophic harm. The countries highlighted that given the pace of technological advancement, there is an urgent need to develop a better understanding of these risks and agreed uh, for the need to work together and establish a common approach on oversight. Now, U.S. Vice President Kamala EU and EU Commissioner Ursula von der Leyen, U.N. Secretary General Antonio Guterres attended this event, and President Yoon Seok-yeol is set to deliver a video address on the second day of the event. The South Korean leader will emphasize solidarity for the establishment of global digital norms and share the implications of the Digital Bill of Rights announced by the South Korean government in September. Now, global AI leaders, uh, Israel and China, were also present. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu participated remotely, and Chinese Vice Minister of Science and Technology Wu Jiaohui attended as well. However, the presence of Israel and China has drawn some backlash in regards to its recent international events. Now, leading AI company leaders such as Tesla CEO Elon Musk, Microsoft Vice Chairman Brad Smith, OpenAI CEO Sam Altman were also on the attendee list. And in South Korea, Samsung Electronics and Naver were invited. And according to the UK government, South Korea will launch another mini virtual summit on AI in the next six months. And France will host the next in-person AI summit next year. This kind of uh, reminded me of a, uh, a scam that's uh, surfacing right now uh, using AI technology. I don't know if you guys use WhatsApp, uh, which mm-hmm. is kind of like the, 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 mm-hmm. the messenger, like app. Kakao Map, right? Mm-hmm. So I have this because, you know, I have to talk to, for example, like my bosses over in the United States. Uh, with the other job that my scouting work and stuff like that and uh, I use this for people that don't have cacao and lately there's been video calls that have been coming yeah, in from me like, too I've been getting them okay like, you've been getting that right so from like they're, they're in like area codes of Indonesia I've right. got one from like Ohio and stuff but mostly they're from Indonesia you guys cannot accept those numbers calls why because what they're doing is by using the video uh, call if you pick it up the other side, they pick up your uh, basically your voice and your face, mm. and they generate that into AI, and they use that for scams. And so basically, <gasps> they pick up your face and your voice, and they'll use that to, let's say, call your parents or something and say, listen, I need money right now. You need to send me. And so there's <laughs> this is all over the internet right now. They're saying, mm. do not pick mm. up those calls. And this is one of the ways that AI can be used for scams and things like that so if anyone gets any weird phone calls or video calls from whatsapp through like phone numbers that you don't even know do not pick it up is what they're warning so and i knew no one from indonesia was going to call me anyways uh moving on here japan uh, began its release of the third phase of its wastewater release from the crippled fukushima nuclear power plant uh the third round will continue 
over a two-week period. G, let's get the updates of that. Sure. So Kyoto News reported that Japan's Tokyo Electric Power Company began the third ocean discharge of its contaminated water, or treated water, it calls it, from the Fukushima Daiichi nuclear power plant at around 10.30 a.m. on the 2nd. Now, TEPCO plans to discharge about 7,800 tons of contaminated water by the 20th uh, in this third discharge, similar to the first and second discharges. Now, ahead of the third discharge, TEPCO measured the concentration of tritium in contaminated water mixed with seawater through the Alps and stored in a large tank uh, and found that it was 55 to 77 becquerels per liter, which is the standard value, and it was confirmed that less than 500 becquerel per liter was met. Previously, on the 19th of last month, trace amounts of uh, radionuclides such as carbon, cobalt, iodine, etc. were detected in the contaminated water sample to be discharged for the third time, but it was below the notified concentration limit and met the discharge standard. It was announced that it had been done. Uh, and in seawater collected near the discharge port on the 21st of last month, during the second discharge period, that is, uh, the concentration of tritium was confirmed to be 22 becquerel per liter, which is higher than the lower limit of detection. Now, this was the highest figure since the discharge of its contaminated water. And TEPCO begins investigating the cause when tritium levels exceeding 350 becquerel per liter are found within three kilometers from the nuclear power plant and stops discharging it when tritium levels exceeding 700 becquerel per liter are confirmed. Now, the Japanese government, the Fukushima prefecture, and TEPCO each regularly collected seawater and fish from around the nuclear power plant after this discharge of contaminated water and analyzed the concentration of tritium and announced that there were no abnormalities. Uh, meanwhile, the Korean government dispatched experts from the Korea Institute of Nuclear Safety, or the KINS, to Fukushima to confirm and inspect the third discharge. And also a review team is currently monitoring the discharge data. So kind of always been looking at the IAEA real-time data. Uh, there's a uh, website provided by the a uh, IAEA, and uh, they've uh, updated it once again. Then currently, the tritium concentration after dilution uh, levels at 186 becquerels per liter, which is far below mm. uh, the, the the standard, the allowed standards, but it is going up. I've been looking at this, uh, this, this for the first phase and the second phase and third phase, but even though there's concerns still, very much far lower than the uh, allowed limit here. So we'll see what happens. I think the bigger concern is what happens after the, the 10th phase and the 11th phase, because this is going to be going on for years now. And uh, how much more is the tritium concentration going to rise over the next months or years is the big question. Uh, moving on here, uh, Seoul's foreign ministry announced that U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken will be visiting South Korea next week uh, to discuss the Korea-U.S. alliance, uh, also North Korea issues and other relevant issues on the matter as well. Hedge let's get the updates on this visit. Right. This will mark Secretary of State Anthony Blinken's first trip to Seoul since the government of President Yoon Suk-yeol came into office. As Blinken last visited Seoul in March 2021 for the 2 plus 2 meeting of the two countries' 
foreign and defense ministers. Secretary Blinken will begin a two-day trip to Seoul next Wednesday right after attending a G7 foreign ministers meeting in Tokyo. He is expected to arrive in Korea late on the 8th, which is Wednesday, and meet with his South Korean counterpart, Foreign Minister Park Jin, on Thursday morning. During his visit, Blinken will hold talks with Minister Park Jin for broad discussions on the bilateral alliance, North Korean issues, economic security, and advanced technologies, as well as regional and global issues. And according to a foreign ministry spokesperson, President Yoon Seok-yeol will also greet Secretary Blinken upon his visit, although the specifics of the meeting is still being coordinated. Now, this trip comes ahead of a highly anticipated summit between U.S. President Joe Biden and Chinese President Xi Jinping, which is set to take place on the sidelines of the APEC Forum in San Francisco later this month. And Secretary Blinken is likely to use his trip to Seoul to coordinate with South Korean officials on pressing issues such as the growing military ties between Pyongyang and Moscow, the Israel-Hamas conflict, and Russia's war in Ukraine. And since the UN administration took office, uh, four foreign ministerial meetings have been held between Korea and the U.S., and five were held between Korea, Japan, and the U.S. Uh, Korea's foreign ministry added that Secretary Blinken's visit is expected to provide an important opportunity for the ROC-US alliance, which is celebrating its 70th anniversary this year, to further develop as a global comprehensive strategic alliance. We're going to round things out here uh, with the latest updates on the ongoing armed conflict in the Middle East between Israel and Hamas. Uh, at least somewhat of a positive news, uh, mm-hmm. Egypt opening up the Rafah crossing. Uh, this is the uh, lone route where Gaza and Egypt can be connected. Now they've uh, been able to evacuate uh, about 76 uh, injured, severely injured uh, Palestinians, as well as hundreds of foreign nationals. Uh, this for the first time since the uh, October 7th attack by the Hamas. Now, at least for the time being, the Rafa crossing will be open. Uh, they're saying that it will be also uh, opened on Thursday at local time there to get more uh, foreign nationals to leave Gaza. Jihi, let's get the latest over in the Middle East. Right. So foreigners who were unable to evacuate after the war between Israel and Hamas began uh, leaving the Gaza Strip and heading to Egypt across the Rafah border on the first local time. Now, hundreds of foreigners and dozens of seriously injured Palestinians have been allowed to leave Gaza for the first time since this conflict between Israel and Hamas began uh, more than three weeks ago, according to the AP report. Now, exodus of uh, foreigners from Gaza to Egypt via Rafah took place after Hamas released four hostages and an Israeli soldier uh, was rescued. Now, the start of the Rafah border crossing took place as Israeli forces advanced deeper into the Gaza Strip and refugee camps were attacked for the second time in one day of airstrikes. And according to CNN, the foreign ministries of each country reported that the first group of foreigners to leave included uh, five French citizens and 31 Austrian citizens. And the British foreign secretary also said the first British citizen has left Gaza, but then the specific number wasn't given. And we will still uh, be seeing a continued update on this situation. Yeah, so I think this whole... Uh the, the evacuation of the four nationals uh, being mediated through uh, Israel, Egypt, the United States, and I think maybe Qatar might be involved 
with this as well. Uh, but uh, they're supposed to give a list and uh, mm. make some checkings and so forth. But that's one thing. But again, the big thing that uh, GE briefly mentioned was the second air attack yeah. in the the, uh, the the refugee camp that's uh, located in Jabalia. And uh, one of the things that I noticed about the media reports is that uh, there are some media reports that are being cautious to not call that area a refugee camp and just Jabalia. Uh, the known fact is that Jabalia refugee camp is a, not only is it the biggest refugee camp in uh, Gaza, but it is one of the oldest refugee camps. In fact, it's older than the establishment of Israel uh, is what it is. And, uh, and the tough thing about following the media reports that are coming out is that while Israel is saying that, uh, you know, they've uh, done a uh, second day of airstrikes at the Jabalia refugee camp because there are uh, Hamas commanders and leaders that are hiding, using them as human shields. Hamas is saying no, but also with the second attack, not only did you take out a large number of civilians, but you also took out some of the hostages that we're holding, uh, including four uh, foreign national hostages. And so none of these comments being made from each side are being verified right now, which is very, uh, I guess, not only concerning, but also very frustrating uh, for many people out there. And not uh, to mention, of course, the death toll between the two sides, Israel and Palestine, has surpassed 10,000, with a third of them uh, being children. Guys, thank you very much for your reports today. Always stay safe, and uh, we'll see you guys again. Thank see you. you. You can listen to Korea Now with me, SJ Lee, by downloading the Arirang Radio application or tune in online by visiting www.arirangradio.com. So make sure you tune in Mondays through Fridays, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. Korea time.